Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Hymnology, a show about psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, and a little bit of everything in between. My name is Sawyer. I'm so excited about this episode today because we're going to talk about something a little different. Instead of having a specific topic, I really want to draw our attention to a new podcast that's been floating around here for a while about uh, something that I think you all will be interested in, and that is hymns, the history of hymns, and kind of everything in between. And that show is called Hymn Partial. Hymn Partial is hosted by Cara and Monet of Glasgow and Edinburgh, Scotland. So we're going to talk to them a little bit about their show and kind of the story behind where it came from. But also we're going to have another discussion about the differences between the church in Scotland and the church here in America. And depending on where you're watching, uh, you may think maybe this is irrelevant to you, but I would imagine just by hearing different contexts of worship, um, you would be able to see maybe what you're thankful for in your context of worship. So I hope you enjoyed this interview, and if you stick around for towards the middle of it, we're going to be able to have a clip of exactly what their show is like. So thank you for watching. All right, everyone, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Hymology. And today, for the first time, I have two guests on the show, um, although they are a part of one team, and they're also my first guests from across the pond. So I am so happy to have with me um, Monet and Cara from the Impartial Podcast. Thank you guys so much for joining me. Thanks for having us. Yeah. So let's talk real quick. Um, you two, like I just mentioned, you are um, the host of a podcast called Impartial. Now we're going to get into the show in just a second, but I really like um, if you would just kind of talk about yourself. Um, you guys really do a lot of work in kind of the same field, same area that um, that that we that I talk about. And so I'd love to just kind of hear your background, your church background, kind of how you guys met. Um, and, and all that. So whoever wants to start, just go ahead. Okay. Um, so how we met is probably the easiest one. Um, Monet was going to the same church as me uh, for a couple of years. We, My church that I still belong to trained up her husband, who is working in a sort of church plant revitalization work. So they were with yeah. us for a couple of years, and then they went out. Okay. All right, so we started, so you guys met each other through the church that you went to, right? Yeah. Okay. All right, and um, Monet, how did you, um, so you guys are serving in a church plant, so is that kind of what I got from that? Yeah, it's a, we're, we're constituted um, kind of revitalization work, um, and yeah, so that that's what my husband does, um, and so we moved to a city just about an hour away from where Cara is. And, um, and we've been here for four years. So it's a very different um, background in terms of church, um, like compared to what I was raised in, I guess, raised in my faith because I wasn't raised in the church. But, um, but it's been a really great experience, I think, um, you know, coming from a Calvinistic, Baptistic, uh, background yeah. to now for the last six, seven years being in a reformed Baptist context in another country. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's been a lot of, a lot of learning for me. And even though Cara maybe didn't have the, the hop across the pond, I think she's had a similar kind of uh, journey in terms of 
the type of churches that she's belonged to and her family tended when she was raised in the faith. Yeah. So Cara, I, when I was listening to one of your episodes, it was your get to know you guys, your get to know you episodes. Um, you kind of had an interesting story about your kind of starting with your parents and then you kind of just went through what your kind of evolution of church life has been like for you. Um, and obviously now you're the host of a show that talks about hymns. <laughs> so I don't imagine you started that way. Um, so can you kind of give a kind of tell that story about kind of your background in, in church? Yeah, so my parents were Christians when I was born, but they didn't come from Christian families. So they kind of were just trying to do their best with what they knew, which wasn't a lot. Um, And we moved around a lot because my dad was in the forces. So um, they kind of just went where they thought the preaching was good. We didn't have any real concept of of how a church should be structured or the whole thing about baptism or anything like that. And it wasn't until about 10 or 15 years ago Um, when we started going to Reformed Church. Um, Before that, we'd been in a, I don't know if Baptist Union means anything to you, but it's like kind of um, semi-liberal Baptist. Uh, The sort of people that quote like Rick Warren and people like that. This is mid-2000s, yeah. Okay. So we ended up in a Reformed Church. Which was a dangerous time in in the church anyway, early 2000s. You never never knew exactly what you were going to get. (laughs) Between the music and the youth work and, oh, gosh. Yeah. 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 (laughs) We ended up in a a Reformed Church. I did not like it. I hated the organ. I didn't get the hymns. And it wasn't until I started reading the hymns before the service, because we used to have them on a little board put the numbers up yeah, yeah and I'd look them up because I was like if I don't read them before then I'm not going to understand what we're yeah what they're on about so mm-hmm. I started reading them and then I, I started remembering them and mm-hmm. I just went from there okay so so that's where you where you are now uh I'm in a different church now I okay. moved I went to university and then there was no work in my hometown so I moved to Edinburgh because my previous church sent the pastor of my current church to plant the church I'm in now. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, but you're still kind of in that same, but you're in that same tradition then from whatever, mm. where your parents yeah. kind of ended up being. Okay. Yeah. All right. So that, that's interesting. And and I will say this um, one, one thing that is will probably be a good practice is for us to look at the songs we're actually about to sing before mm. we sing them. And, and like you said, get a grasp of what we're actually singing. Because I know you guys go through several songs that we've had. What what exactly, uh, like Come Thou Found, what exactly mm. is a, a fetter, you know? Yeah. <laughs> My brain goes to ferret, you know, sometimes <laughs> whenever I'm looking at some of these words. So what, what do some of these words mean? Um, yeah. Okay, well, that's interesting. So tell me about your, both of your music backgrounds, because you do have a little bit of music background, right? Monet more than me. Yeah. Okay, Monet, uh... what you got? that's that's half true um I've just yeah. I'm older so I have more experience <laughs> in a life. More time. yeah I've just had yeah. more time on the planet um <laughs> yeah my, I, I think we we both and Carl will speak to this um when when she when she answers the question but I think we both had um a very um non-traditional route in our experience with music um, so I have come from a musical family. I've been singing since I was like three or younger. Um, and so song music has always been a part of my life just, just because, and, yeah. you know, 
my my family um are not Christians, so and they weren't when I was when I was growing up. So that was that just really expanded my music um exposure uh in the sense that I listened to everything. And even in high school and university, um one of my childhood friends was a was a like a music writer. And she went to journalism school and all that. So she's still involved heavily in music yeah. um, over at Juilliard. And um and so I had this huge exposure to music, but I didn't start to formally learn it until I was in middle school. Um, I played the cello. Um, I probably played it, played it poorly, but in my memory, I was amazing. I was like, you know, <laughs> I was a prodigy. Um, but I only played it for middle school. And then I don't know. I don't know why, but for whatever reason, when I got to high school, I switched to choir. Um, and so it was using some of the kind of formal music training that I picked up in middle school and applying it to voice. Um, and, and I had a great, um, I had great instructors both in high school and in college university. That's where I continued that. Um, so really in terms of formal music, I, I spent more time in choir than I did in orchestra. And did you grow up in the States or did you grow up? Yeah, yeah. I grew up in uh, in Los Angeles. Okay. Born and bred. Okay. Um, though I went to school mostly in the Valley. If anybody's from Los Angeles, they know what I'm talking about. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah. So that was my exposure, and then I was saved by the grace of God. I was saved in university. When most people walk away from their faith, that's when I was called to the Lord. Um, and so it was through my church um that I that I started to gain interest in the guitar uh, but I had no idea how to play it and uh the lady who led our worship sing, sung worship at the time um I was part of like the little team there mm-hmm. she played the guitar and I just loved her to death and I was like I want to be exactly like her <laughs> so I actually took a course at my school to learn classical guitar. It was just one semester, just so I could understand the basics. Right. Yeah. And then from there, I just uh, picked up the chords. So I play not the cello anymore. I don't sing in choir anymore. I play the guitar poorly and I sing. So that's my, okay. Okay. <laughs> that's my You background. got the background though, if you ever had to <laughs> polish it up anytime soon. Yeah. Maybe, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Well, Cara, what about you? Um. So there was a program in our, our primary school where they would like audition kits. And if they weren't too, th- like too dumb, they would give them an instrument and teach them how to play it. Gotcha. And <laughs> I just about hit the IQ level. So okay. <laughs> I right. learned the violin. I really, really wanted to learn the cello, but my brother got that and I was so jealous. Um, but when he got to high school, he got fed up with cello and he told me that if I bought him an electric guitar I could have his cello which was an amazing deal for me (laughs) so I picked up the cello at that point nice you have a musical background um that we know your your kind of church background your church upbringing um and now here you are um both of you are in or in the reform context of of worship so how did you get from where you were to, hey, here's an idea. Let's talk about 
some songs that are a few hundred years old and, and hope someone listens to it. So how did, how did the idea of the show uh, come about? Um, I was stripping one of the rooms in the flat and my friend sent me a podcast and it was a special from uh, Revive Our Hearts. And they were talking about the history of Be Still My Soul, which is one of our okay. favorite hymns. Yeah. Um, and I thought, oh, I'd like to listen to some more episodes like this. But it was a special and they hadn't done any more. So yeah. I went looking for a podcast that did something like that and I couldn't find one. Yeah. Um, so I texted Monet and I was like, do you think there's actually an audience for this? Because I can't find anything. Yeah. And she said, yes. And I said, do you want to do it? And she said, yes. And that was the end of that. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that's that's pretty easy. Okay, so that, that's good. And, and listen, you know, I, I think that it's a, a great thing that that, um, that thought came in your head because these are, like you said earlier, uh, when we're sitting in church as kids, we look at the hymnal and we don't necessarily know what the notes mean. Um, and a lot of times we don't know what the words mean. Mm. Um, and hopefully, you know, these these kind of shows like yours and and others can um, help that in the in the future. So, with the show, kind of just tell me a little bit about um, maybe kind of your your favorite moment so far. Because you guys, I'm going to go ahead. And I'm going to share a screen real quick on your um, on your Spotify, and I'm just going to kind of scroll through. Um, so, you guys have had several several episodes. Where are we at? And let's see where are we at now. Number 72. So number 72 is good. I mean, that's, it's not quite a quarter of the way through a, a normal hymnal, but you guys are doing pretty <laughs> good. You know, that's, that's a lot. Um, so starting at the very beginning, um, of course we have Christmas episode, start at the very beginning, and the unexpected story of amazing grace. Um, mm -hmm. So that was the first one. What made you think, okay, hey, amazing grace, here we go. Because I, I did that too. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I realized maybe uh, maybe there's maybe that's too much, you know, because there there is so much there with Amazing Grace. So yeah. um, what was the thought of saying, hey, you know what, we're we are going to start um, with Amazing Grace? Um, I mean, there's a there's a cynical answer to that. But I think yeah. I think we were thinking we're nobody. Um, and why would somebody want to listen to us say anything really? Um, so we thought, you know, well, a lot of people know the hymn Amazing Grace. There might be quite a wide range of Christians and non-Christians that would want to know the background of this song. Yeah. So maybe somebody will be searching and find us and like we have to say, or also, you know, even people who we know, they might yeah. be like, what is this obscure song you're talking about? Oh, yeah. I know Amazing Grace. Yeah. And they'd be keen to listen to us. So I think it was pretty, it was pretty much like, let's hit, let's hit the the main song, you know, the song. When you talk about hymns yeah. to a wide audience, they're, oh, amazing. I know Amazing Grace. Does that end? Right. Um, but, you know, we immediately shook it up and did something that we really haven't done since. And 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 I think we'll we'll try to change that. But we talked about the organ. It was the history of the organ. And that episode was really, really fun. So we tried to, and I think we still do, um, we talk mostly about hymns and hymn writers. 
but we also just talk about church music in more general terms, you know, so we talked about exclusive psalmody and that kind of controversy that, um, that has and is taking place, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, in churches all over the West, yeah. uh, maybe the world as well. You yeah. know, we've had pastors on to talk about, um, you know, church planting and music and yeah. uh, depression and William yeah. Cooper. And so we've, we've tried to mix it up so that we're not just one thing. Uh, just because I do think all of those things factor into how thoughtful we are as Christians when it comes to the song bit of yeah. the worship service, right. um, or even how we think of the song bit of the worship service, or how we think of worship, you know, because yeah. some people think that's only the music. Right. Um, so I think that's kind of how we've thought of our episodes okay. from the beginning until now. Okay, so let's talk about, we were talking about some of your favorite kind of moments and all the, the highlights of what you what you guys have talked about. Um, tell me about some of the guests that you've had on. Um, you have a pretty good list of, of guests and hymn writers and songwriters. Um, can you mind, mind sharing some of those and kind of some of the stories that you were able to talk about with them? Yep. Um, so we did a Christmas series last year. We've had on, Monet will keep me right, we've had Sandra McCracken, Jeremy Casella, um, Matt Boswell. We've also had um, Randall Goodgame on and the Gettys. And then we've had some other people as well that may not be as well known, more broadly known, like um, Samuel Say and Jeremy Walker. And we've got more coming up, but we can't talk about yeah. that yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, We've had wonderful you. guests too, more obscure than, um, than obscure is not a nice word. Maybe not as well known, but known yeah. enough. I mean, we had Brian Croft on and Brian Croft has written loads and loads of books and done yeah. conferences with some of the people that we've just mentioned. Uh, but we've also had pa like local pastors on um, okay. uh, from England, Scotland, you know, um, and that's been really great because I think our guests, whether they're super famous or only known to our church network or right. known in our country, um, have all brought something to the table that we just couldn't. Um, na namely, a lot of them are pastors and they bring that pastoral element that we do not right. um, and that we would not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's really, really helpful because I think a lot of the things that we talk about on the show raise questions about, you know, um, ministry uh, issues or, or things that involve the wisdom of the word that I do think is just um, handled so well by so many of our guests. And then sometimes we're surprised, like in, in maybe to our shame, but we'll have songwriters on and they'll just be preaching at us. And I'm like, amen, you know, and that's, that's so, that's such a great thing as a host to have folks come on and just really encourage our listeners and us to be, yeah. um, you know, in the word and, and thinking yeah. about the application of these things. You got to watch out for the songwriters. They don't, they don't get the pulpit quite as often. Usually it's just their <laughs> pen and paper. So when they get a, they get a platform, they're going to let it loose. Um, yeah. But that's good. So, so to kind of wrap up this part, um, where can we hear, watch your, um, your show? Is it, is it YouTube? Is it, is it mainly a podcast or? 
It's anywhere and everywhere. <laughs> no. okay. You can it, it, is, it is a podcast. It's on every podcasting platform. If you have a podcasting platform and you can't find us, then it, we're some obscure one and we will get ourselves on you, there. You probably but. don't need to be on it. Then, if I, no. But we do, we do, we're also on YouTube as well, but um, okay. yeah, we are a podcast. Yeah. And you do a video format on YouTube? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm recording. Cool. Hi, I'm Monet and I'm super cool. This is Cara. She's okay. Do you ever find yourself thinking hymns are so boring? They're just written by a bunch of stuffy dead white guys. Who even came up with an instrument as weird as the organ? Or do you find yourself just singing the words every Sunday and never really thinking about what they're saying? Or where they came from? Or why we sing them? And this podcast is for you. We're back with another episode of Hymn Partial, where we talk all things church music. In essence, hymns go far beyond poetry. They're less florid um, and they're far simpler to understand. The lyrics of this hymn are the real story. Uh, the original hymn is five verses long. And her pastor was called George W. Shrek. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about another really well-known hymn and its author and put the kettle on for this one because it is a tale of descent, of unrequited love and of a whiny teenager who ended up changing church music across the western world. But here's the thing, see when your boat's going down and you're about to drown, nobody sings John Lennon's Imagine. Yeah. <laughs> it's just true, you know it's true. So I knew singing was a big part. <laughs> it was a huge part of the service. I felt like, are we going to be done singing soon? it was just like a lot of singing. Come join the conversation as we learn a new appreciation for church music, old and new. Like, subscribe, and we'll see you Monday for another episode of Him Partial. Okay, so earlier, um, you guys mentioned um, your that your guests, um, a lot of them were local pastors and, and just kind of in your area. So let's kind of kind of like change the conversation over to something that's important and something that we probably don't think about. Um, is what worship looks like outside of our context, outside of the local church context. Now, you know, we're, we're obviously not talking about a, a probably more likely probably not a huge difference in, um, in local churches from where we are. But let's kind of just kind of go down the line. And since um, Monet, I've got you up here at the top by me, let's, let's go with you first. So what does worship look like in your local church? And I know when I say worship, that can mean a lot of things. Um, but I'm going to let you interpret that however you want. Um, so what does worship look like in uh, your church and your congregation? Uh, yeah, huge question. Um, I and, think if, and if in, you'll tell me, and if you'll say where your church is, too, that would help. Yeah, yeah. So um, our church is on the south side of Glasgow in Scotland. Okay. Um, we're a Reformed Baptist church, small Reformed Baptist church. And um, honestly, it is probably different from most of the scenes in Glasgow, like within even our local context. Okay. I think there is a, a culture in, in the Reformed tradition, definitely Reformed Baptist, definitely Reformed Scottish Baptist Church, yeah. Yeah. that is a lot more uh, reserved, more conservative in how we um, worship mm -hmm. the Lord through prayer, preaching, um, song, um, even through communion and fellowship, I think it's a very kind of sober um, 
somber sometimes. Okay. Uh, uh, experience. Uh, reform people tend to be a little more somber than they probably just a probably need more to. Somber. <laughs> Lots of joy, though. Lots of joy. Inexpressible joy, though. (laughs) Inexpressible. That's right. That's right. So, yeah, it is is a little different, I think, maybe, like I said, than even other churches in the same locations that that I'm in. So, So in, you know, kind of where I am, the, the, if we were to call ourselves a Reformed Baptist church, we would be an oddball. Okay, so 100%, even if in, in, in where I'm at currently, if we were to call ourselves any, any reformed denomination, we'd be an oddball. So mm-hmm. what's, what's, the, what's the climate like in your kind of, in your context, um, as far as, you know, denominationally, um, just, and then just culturally in your area, what is it, what is it like? Yeah, um, Baptists full stop are the minority in Scotland. Uh, we are in okay. Presbyterian country. Yeah. Um, that is the state church. It's a Presbyterian church, Church okay. of Scotland. And all of the kind of reformed offshoots of that are Presbyterian. Okay. Um, so to be Baptist in Scotland is already to be a little odd. Okay. Um, but the Baptist churches that exist, I would say probably, Cara will correct me on this, a majority of them are Baptist Union. Yeah, which okay. is a, a union that I won't be I won't be as harsh in my language, yeah. but it is yeah. it is not as um, as closely married to what we would call kind of Orthodox Christianity in in their ecclesiology, um, in their view of leadership, eldership, all of that stuff. So they yeah. just tend to be I hate to use a spectrum, but they're just a little bit more liberal than we would probably be comfortable with but there are still faithful baptist churches within that union um and then you have the independent baptist churches that are kind of sprinkled all over the country so it is it is like how weird can you get it just keeps getting (laughs) the circle keeps getting smaller for the reformed uh in fact i Pretty, I'm pretty sure I know of every single Reformed Baptist Church in Scotland, um, if not by name, by um, by location. You know, I know where they yeah. are. Yeah. Okay, so th- that's interesting because, especially at least in my state, um, in Alabama, we, um, mm. I, I could count on maybe one hand of how many Presbyterian <laughs> churches I know. Um, really? Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, you know, we'd have <laughs> a lot. Um, and even less than that, um, how many um, Reformed Baptist churches there are. Mm. Um, we don't necessarily have, we have, there is, there is denominations for that, but typically what we have, we had the Southern Baptist Convention, mm-hmm. um, which is, you know, the one of, of the yeah. South. Um, when you go further north, it's, you know, you know, further north of the States, it's, it's, more Catholic and you may, you may run into more Presbyterians, but to hear that and to hear about the Baptist union um, kind of reminds me more of some of our more um, United Methodist churches mm. that we have kind of in our mm. area. So mm. um, same, same deal, just different names, mm. you know, kind of, kind of, kind of the same, uh, same situation. So that's, that's yeah. interesting. And, and, and historically, I mean, we know, I mean, we know why Presbyterians, you, mm. you guys had more Presbyterians. We had more more Baptists. 
you know, um, for one, I think mainly it's just because it's hotter here and we just prefer to dunk all the way, but uh, <laughs> as opposed to just sprinkle. So, but, um, but okay. So, uh, Tara, so you said that your church is, um, where Monet and, um, what, what's your husband's name, Monet? Daniel. And Daniel is that's so your church, Monet, your, your husband and your church came from Cara's church as kind of like a church plant. Yeah, so, we were saying, yeah. maybe the right words. Yeah. Um, so Carl, can you just kind of explain what church looks like in your context and, um, and about where, um, are you located? So I'm in Edinburgh, um, and we're sort of in the North. We used to be in the West, but it's a long story. Um, (laughs) so Edinburgh is, Edinburgh is a bit odd in that it's not a very Scottish city because we have such a melting pot of different cultures and and different nationalities and things just because yeah. uh, I don't know why but lots of students and things lots of people come here yeah. yeah um so we have quite a wide variety of churches in our area there is the parish church so that's the state church and then there's an episcopalian church which is borrowed in the afternoon by a prosperity gospel church and then there are um there's a massive catholic cathedral at the top of the road so mm-hmm it's quite a mix it's quite interesting there are there are some good things going on in Edinburgh um but a lot of the churches just aren't great there are a lot of prosperity churches and there are a lot of parish churches and neither of those are are great at preaching the actual gospel okay and so when you say when you said parish church that's church of the state yeah so church of scotland so the whole country is split up into chunks and each chunk is called a parish and every parish has a church okay so another difference we we don't have that yeah (laughs) well we don't have a state church in the states (laughs) sometimes our state church is is the nfl it depends on the (laughs) or college football depends on where it is but but yeah so we don't necessarily have have that but we definitely have the one that you know where you know most people lean so so that's that's an interesting dynamic because you not only are you kind of fighting for just you know conservative Christianity and and mm-hmm. and biblical truth, but you're also fighting against not a separation of church and state, and and that's and that's that's probably a big difference that I know for a fact um, we don't realize over here quite mm-hmm. quite as often. You know, is that there is a church of the state in other in other areas and. Um, what, yeah, well, so I what is that say, like? Sorry. No, no <laughs> yeah. you go ahead, Monet. You go ahead. I was I would just say just to um clarify that yeah. that while there is a state church, um they don't have any obviously any say authority over yeah. our local Baptist churches. We do still have that freedom to operate as an independent um Baptist church uh right. within the government and there's no kind of um, you know, they don't select our pastors, they don't yeah. regulate our pay, et cetera, et cetera. In the way okay. that they do for the state church, all of that is kind of yeah. baked in. Gotcha. Um, okay. The other thing I would clarify is while we are currently, Car and I, talking about the, ch- the state of the churches in our area, what is should be made very clear is that Scotland is a very secular country. Yes. Um, Edinburgh being quite secular. Uh, so while there are churches, church buildings, most of them are dead or have been converted into 
various centers of not worship (laughs) um and a lot of like mindfulness new age kind of a lot of new age yeah and there's a lot of um wiccanism is on the rise paganism um Mm -hmm. so scotland although you could say technically the uk is a christian country it's not a christian country at all it's very Mm -hmm. secular yeah and and you know we can we can relate to that <laughs> for sure you know and god we trust only gets us so far you know depending mm. depending kind of where we go so. okay so that's the context kind of where you are now let's just kind of talk about liturgy um would you say that where you where you all and you can just kind of go whenever you need to um would you say that where you are has a specific liturgy um that that's written out um is it more of a kind of a, a less formal order of worship or kind of what does that look like in your context so we we don't have a fixed liturgy but there is there is a tends to be structured to our service so we have like the call to worship and we have singing and we have um often a children's talk um and then we'll have more singing and we might have communion or things like that um and then we'll have the sermon so there, okay. there is kind of like a structure to it, but it's not a fixed sort of call and response style liturgy okay. like you might get in mm. in an Anglican church. Okay, and, and is that mainly Anglo? Is that kind of mainly the Anglican tradition there, or or are there, or is that Presbyterian as well? Because there are a lot of our Presbyterian churches here follow more of a formal type liturgy mm. like that. Um, the Church of Scotland does. I was at a wedding okay. recently um, that was Church of Scotland and they had a liturgy and it was, it was interesting. Yeah. <laughs> but um, for a number of reasons. Yeah. But I don't know. I think the Free Church, they have a similar sort of hymn sandwich structure okay. um, or a psalm sandwich structure. Um, yeah. But I don't really know that they use a, a fixed liturgy. Okay. Yeah, and, and it's usually a little, typically a little more creative. You have a little bit of, more liberty to kind of you know you you add in what you want what you don't want but um in my experience that's typically has has been how it's been so not a lot of difference in um between the baptist worlds there you know <laughs> your service sound a lot like mine you know as as, <laughs> as the worship pastor you know we do the call to worship we do we do have a moment for kids and and what about one more thing i'm interested in what about um more of like a uh, and this this will change per per denomination especially more on the reform side of things um like an altar call or like a uh, time of response or invitation to the message is that a common thing there not within our particular churches okay. there would always be a call to respond to especially the word and yes. uh, the preaching of the word um in repentance um but it wouldn't be a public thing it wouldn't be come to the front um unless things have changed since i left car i don't think that's how they roll it in Edinburgh. no it's usually <laughs> it's usually like if you if you want to talk about it mm-hmm. come talk to one of the elders mm-hmm. afterwards yeah okay. yeah and and that a lot of that here you know we do we we call it the altar is open a lot of the times yeah. where yeah. you know you come on down the aisle and, and that has caused a lot of trouble over over the past few years you know <laughs> maybe some false conversions you know you never really know but um really like i say kind of came from revivalism and um yeah billy graham era you know really yeah. strong there um 
so, but I do appreciate the fact that there is, there, there, there should always be a response, whether it's a physical walk on yeah. down or, or mm-hmm. a more of a contemplative response for repentance. Mm. Um, let's talk preaching for a second, and then we'll talk about <laughs> music. Um, <laughs> obviously, um, you, from what I can tell, um, you all are, you, you got, you ladies are from conservative, um, are in conservative congregations. So, mm-hmm. um, so it would be more of a complementarian um, thought process, correct, when it comes to preaching and you know who, roles in the church, as opposed to egalitarian. Yes, uh, definitely. We are very firmly convinced that Scripture is clear about um, who leads the church, and it ain't us. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and that's and like that's a whole other conversation. But to, yeah. to go, I mean, yeah. obviously there are you know we're yeah. not going to go there because there's lots of things that we can go there. But um, to, to say that um, preaching wise, um, what is what is your what do you, what do you typically hear as far as preaching goes? You normally hear more. Um, is it, do you have more of a, like an expository sermon each week or? Yes, um, definitely. Yeah, both churches are um, led by. I have to say wonderful because one of them is my husband. Wonderful men of God you don't, who are committed. You don't have to. My wife doesn't yes, always I say do. that. <laughs> I do. Yeah. Yes, wonderful men who are committed to the expository, uh, spirit-led preaching of the word. So we talked about preaching. We talked about kind of the culture of your church. Now let's kind of get down to what we are obviously most passionate about. Not that we're most passionate about it, but we are very passionate about the types of songs we sing. Um, in your church, what are you going to hear on a Sunday morning? Oh, depends on the Sunday. <laughs> okay. We usually sing, like my church, we usually sing from Christian hymns, but we also have a supplementary hymn book, which has some sovereign grace and some gaieties and some other stuff that's not in Christian hymns, but it's still good music, so... Mm-hmm. What hymnal is that? Is that will that be? Is that hymns of grace? No, it's no? it's okay. honestly just a little folder, um, oh, okay. booklet thing that we've printed off lyrics and we sing stuff. <laughs> okay, hey, that's the problem. I mean, that's what I, I that's what I typically do for our uh, one of our services is just print out our own little hymnal sometimes and it and it works. <laughs> okay, so Christian hymns is so that is a hymnal that you use. Okay, yes. Okay, um, and so typically most Sundays, that's what you what you would be would be out of. And so, what does that look like? Is that a project that a projector screen? Is that everybody holds their own hymnal, or um, kind of how are we? How do you guys do that? I have been in a church meeting, not at my current church, where a projector was suggested and very strongly. Um, shot down Um, (laughs) we don't mind projectors but um, normally we just have individual hymn books okay okay it's similar at my church as well but um, we don't have a supplementary hymnal we just will print out as and when there's another song uh, that doesn't that's not in the book that we need to sing I think the uh, the important thing to note for my church is that my husband picks out the songs um and I so he might say here's the subjects you know bring me 
two or three songs on this, this and that, you know, and then he ultimately picks it. Um, Often what'll happen is he'll just be listening to a random album throughout the week, or he'll have opened up a random hymnal that we have in the house and he'll be like, you know what, this is a great song. Can you learn to play this? Um, And that's usually when we'll have those printouts, which is actually really great um, because I trust him to um, because he's also leading the service, uh, which might be a difference in our churches is usually someone who leads the service. Sometimes that's the same person who is also preaching. Um, And so because my husband's leading the service uh, most days, it's great because I know that whatever songs that we sing will just be part of that building upon that theme, whatever that theme is for that Sunday. So, so like you just, yeah. So like you said, let's talk about, I would say probably is the, one of the major differences. And, and I would say that's not just, um, that's, this is not a denominational thing. This is a um, kind of a church culture thing. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, like, I, I don't know if we said this before we started recording or not, but my, job title on my tax form is worship <laughs> pastor of first baptist mm-hmm. church hayden um yeah. and every week um i'm not the pastor i don't preach um but mm-hmm. i'm on on full-time staff at our church and mm-hmm. our pastor selects his his sermon and um he trusts me most weeks to um <laughs> select our songs of worship and a lot of times yeah. scripture readings throughout the uh throughout the service Mm-hmm. Um, but that is not necessarily the case um, where you guys are. That's, that is typically the case here. We have a pastor and we have a youth pastor and a worship pastor, mm-hmm. um, but not the case necessarily with you guys. Kind of explain how your church structure works. Um, well, I think the main reason why that difference occurs is just due to size. Mm-hmm. Um I could say this because I'm an American. The American church tends to be a lot bigger than the rest of the global church. You'll find very few churches in the world that even have hundreds of people there. Yeah. A hundred is a, that, that church is man. Wow. What you got a rocking church. You got a hundred people there. So it mainly has to do with size, I think. um, But primarily, so I guess secondarily, it has to do with this yeah. primarily. Um, it might be the way our churches are structured. I, I'm not quite sure, but ours are elder-led um, yeah. uh, churches. And so whatever in terms of the Sunday services or midweek services or whatever kind of thing that we're putting on that, those are really being led by and taught by our elders. Okay. Um, obviously it's not a one man or two man or three man show because Cara and I both play on Sundays, play the music, uh, but it is under that kind of elder led, um, structure for lack of a better term. And, you know, if there was, if there was five, 10 elders or whatever, I'm just making up a number and, and the, you know, I guess main teaching pastor needed to free up some of his time, then we might have a a pastor for music and a pastor for these other things. But at the moment, it would just be extra superfluous. (laughs) I understand. Context. Sorry. I was just going to say for context, the church I'm in, we have 
I'm not sure of the exact number, but it's 30 to 40 members. And that's one of the biggest in Scotland. So just for context, when you've got 30 to 40 members, you don't really have the manpower to be hiring extra people. (laughs) And and that and that that is a a good point because um, we're we're running low right now because of of COVID. And low for us is right and it's not bragging i'm just telling you this is kind of where we are <laughs> 150 is average yeah. for us right now oh. um and before uh, the story is before i got here um you know a little less a little less than a year ago is that we mm. were like you know 300 ish um mm-hmm. you know and and uh and that is considered not big you know mm. it's not and, and here it would be but but depending on where we were just let just let services for a revival service that you know we had that reminded me of, of kind of what, what what you guys were talking about you know we we do have more rural um mm-hmm. congregations that you're, you're doing good to have 20 you know you're doing good mm-hmm. and, and those churches do not have mm-hmm. you don't have that that staff of a of a church and mm-hmm. so that is kind of what they're and that's kind of where i grew up kind of, kind of in that context so um, so your your pastor would lead the would lead the singing, I guess is kind of how that would go. And then 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 you have church instrumentalists is kind of the way that would look. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so I talked to Matthew Montgomery not too long ago about instrumentation in worship. Um yeah. and um he's a phenomenal guitarist and, and everything yeah. else he does. Um mm-hmm. and um and yeah, he, he had a lot to say about that too, where, you know, there, there is a separation, but both can serve, um, whether yeah, you're yeah. a worship pastor or you are bringing glory to God and with your gifts. Before we finish out, uh, we've got to talk about hymns, um, specific <laughs> hymns. Um, I have specific hymns that are in my head every single day, you know, that me and my wife sing either together or we sing, Ooh. um, just in our brains, you know, or, or to our, <laughs> to our daughter or anything like that. Um, and I feel like those hymns are what are kind of get us going and kind of get us to where we are today. Um, so what are, what are hymns that really have kind of made you passionate about talking about these, this topic um, week in and week out on, on Hymn Partial? Mm. Mm. I could say just what's your favorite hymn, but there is a difference between <laughs> what also, got you to where you are. Um, asking what your favorite hymn is is also also difficult. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, and, that episode on Be Still My Soul started it all, so I guess okay. you could blame that one. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Be yeah. Still My Soul. And... Sorry. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, I was thinking just because we just talked about it, of I wanted to plug a song that no one's ever heard of before okay. because, because it was the lyrics of this song in, in us discussing it that made me wish hope put out there that someone needed to do a new tune for it because the, because the hymn lyrics are excellent Mm. and the tune is okay um and it's a song we just talked about on our show um called sing praise to the god who reigns okay and it's again it's obscure but it is about the providence of the lord 
Um, it's actually translated him from German to English. And honestly, I think just the fact that that's the song I wanted to come on here and talk about it is it goes to the point of like why we all do what we do on our shows mm-hmm. is yeah. to be mindful and 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 careful. I, maybe that's too strong of a word, but careful about how we sing uh, praises to the Lord. Like, what are we actually saying? And, and, and is this, you know, how, how, like to actually be more reflective on it. And that song is really good. It's, I mean, like, like I said, the, the, the tune's okay, but the lyrics are fantastic. So, you know, if you're in some kind of music collective, then do it up. Um, yeah. Is that a, (laughs) that a Luther hymn or who, who is the author there? Johan Jakob Schutz. Okay. If you've heard of I'll him. I'll make sure I, I posted from the episode that you Good. To. <laughs> I'm not even going to pretend to. Uh, I'm not okay, well, that's good. Yeah, and, and that's that's a whole another conversation um, yeah. about hymns and hymns retuning that I, I spoke with mm-hmm. somebody I flung about. Um, mm-hmm. Well, okay, guys, I appreciate your time. Um, I know that um, it is a big world. And, uh, and, uh, and there are a lot of history to jump into the world of, of hymns. And um, in my context and, and possibly yours, um, it can be an either or. You know, we're going to sing hymns of old, or we're going to sing um, something that came out a couple of years ago. And, and that's the discussion. But I think maybe being educated on all of it um, yeah. could kind of mend that gap just a little bit. Thank you, Monet and Cara, for joining us. And be sure to listen, watch, or whatever it is you want to do um, to Him Partial. Um, and you can find it wherever um, episodes are streamed. And thank you guys again so much for joining me. Thanks so much for having Thanks us on the show. Us. Well, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Cara and Monet. I hope you were able to take away that church is different all across the world. And although it may not seem like it's that much different from your church, we can at least take from this that maybe we need to look outside of our world, outside of the bubble that we live in, and see how others worship. In the meantime, be sure to listen to the Impartial Podcast. You can stream it wherever you listen to podcasts. But thank you again so much for watching, and I hope you'll join me next week.